It was the dawn of a new age, the start of another perfect mission, until something happened. Houston, we have a problem. That made America remember how big an adventure could be. Failure is not an option. Tom Hanks, a Ron Howard film, Apollo 13. Available on video cassette for $22.98. Available on video cassette for twenty two ninety eight. Yeah, is that like what the, it said? Why have the prices like not changed? Like DVD, like a new Blu-ray is basically like a new release that week is like twenty two, maybe twenty, maybe twenty two ninety nine. It's right around the same price. Weird. Yeah, like almost fifteen twenty years ago. The Blu-ray market has not been hit by inflation so far as I've seen. Yeah. Crazy. But no one buys them anymore either, so there's that. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with Tyler Wilson. Hello. Tyler. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Don't yell that out loud. And you are shouting that into your coffee that you're slurping. Hot Sorry coffee the... at five o'clock at night. Sorry for the microphone issues. What microphone <laughs> issues? I don't know. It's going to pick up every we little having, tiny minuscule we were sound. Having some, we were having a production meeting before we started recording, and it was entirely centered around the quality of sound not being great. So it's all good. Yay. It's all good. So here we are. It's uh, summer. We're talking about Apollo 13. And the reason we're going to talk about Apollo 13, at least in my opinion, the reason we watch this is that this summer our kids are super into all things space and NASA. They've done some like virtual Zoom meetings and classes with like NASA astronauts and scientists. And so they're like getting like super into it. Mm -hmm. The new telescope things out there taking new pictures that people are excited about that the kids have seen. We watched a NASA slash SpaceX launch of supplies that they found really interesting. Yes. Um, And like a few weeks ago, we watched the StoryBots. It might be like a year old, but there's a little StoryBots like two minute rocket thing. And it actually explains everything. in a way that kids can understand like here's the rocket and here's like stage one and stage two and this is the little you know the capsule that actually goes into space the nose and everything it's pretty cool yeah so on the topic of space we were like hey you were like hey you think we get to let the kids watch apollo 13 yeah you know it kind of just came to mind because i didn't i was trying to think if it was like not necessarily inappropriate anyway it's like pg so Mm -hmm. uh yeah it was a good choice although our five-year-old who is a very sensitive little bug, was tense. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he knows what was going on half the time. He just knows that there are people in space that were having some problems. Yeah. And he did not like that. He's very empathetic. So, like, he was very nervous and stressed out and hiding under the covers. And uh, it was very sweet and very, uh, you know. But also, you know, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> but it's like, he's like, this true? This, like, really this happened? <laughs> yeah, he did say that a bunch. I'm like, And I'm, I'm like, spoiler alert, Marshall, they're... They're going to be fine. going to be fine. It's going to be okay. He's like, okay. He <laughs> doesn't believe it, though. He's yeah. like, mm. So, before we get into more of watching it, how it stands up over time, what we thought of it, let's talk about what we've been watching recently. We have stacked up quite a few movies, you know, this summer. Ones we've actually watched together, some you've watched on your own. Yeah, we'll talk about some of them here. And yeah. maybe we'll talk about some other ones in a different episode. I uh, don't know. Yeah. So we watched uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. We were, I was waiting for this one to come out because I, I like Doctor Strange, uh, you know, the character and what he can do and everything. So I was looking forward to it. Yeah, and you didn't really, because you were late to the party on Spider-Man No Way Home, 
you've only just recently like kind of saw him in that movie and mm-hmm. it was like not a very long wait for you to mm-hmm. see the next adventure um yeah we didn't see this in the theater we just uh, watched it on disney plus when it came out and um yeah i gotta say that i think it is one of my least favorite mcu movies oh man harsh um, and i love i love everything i liked about it was basically having sam raimi uh, in the director's seat again, doing very Sam Raimi things with uh, kind of horror elements and uh, a couple of jump scare type things and things like that. But um, yeah, as far as the story of it and kind of just all the marvelness of it, I did not care for it. And mostly I was having a hard time and I knew this going in, but um, having really enjoyed WandaVision, and thinking that that is probably still it was like the first one and is still probably the best of the marvel shows i was very annoyed by this movie just turning her into the villain within five minutes and it just felt like it was using plot points from wandavision but kind of crapping on the character in a way yeah definitely like i i could see where the character could be very upset and want her kids that come that were kind of featured in that show Mm -hmm. and i could see like her still feeling pain about it and wanting them and wanting to do something about it but based on her character growth from the show i don't see the the way in which she was doing it like congruent with her character at all and i get it i know at the end of wandavision there was a quick little cut of her using the dark book that was going to make her go bad but like that it just feels like kind of my fear with this expansion of these movies and tv shows of just like, well, we're going to do this show and we're really going to dive in and it's an, a- it's an asset, right? We're going to spend a lot of time with these characters. But if that's not going to matter, if that's going to kind of undercut um, kind of the growth that you see, because I think in multiple Multiverse of Madness, it's very one-dimensional. I think she's doing a good job as being like a formidable villain, but it doesn't, like, it just airs as a very cliche, like... I miss my kids. I need my kids. I'm going to go do whatever it takes to get my kids. And it just feels like you are. There's even like a line. It's like, you're not a, a parent. You don't know. Or you're she, not a mother. And then she's like, I'm not a monster. I'm a mom. Oh, it's horrible. And I was like, oh, fuck. And it's just like, just stuff that is feels like shortcuts, doesn't feel um, organic. And, you know, here's the other thing. Like, it's a Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know that there are multiple Doctor Stranges in it, but um, not really. And... He doesn't really have a great arc here. Um, it does feel like a little bit just a leftover from the Doctor Strange movie, but that's been so long ago that, like, you know, we haven't seen Rachel McAdams for a while because of Doctor Strange appearing in all these other movies. And so, I don't know, it just feels like a little bit of a a weird thing to kind of re-pick up, and he doesn't do that much. And then I just, for a movie about a multiverse, it just seems very limiting on that front i feel like even the loki show had a more fun with that concept than this does um, another movie we're going to talk about definitely has more fun with that concept um yeah i don't know i just did not care for doctor strange and the multiverse of madness yeah it was like it was like 80 percent. i give it a nice b where it's like with just some more editing and thoughtfulness but it felt like it it felt I think after watching it, I was like, this movie feels like it was overworked. Like, too many people got their hands in the pot yeah. and tried to, like, okay, well, we'll change this, and then we'll change this, but to make that work, we got to make this work. And it just felt like like they lost the plot. They and lost I, the key focus on what matters most, like characters, a good growth, 
that's it. And, and it got a little crazy. I did like all, all the fun, you know, zombie type stuff. And To be fair, too, I mean, it, it did go through. It lost its director that directed the first movie. Sam Raimi came on late. They rewrote the script. I think at least at some point, WandaVision was supposed to not... Co- like, this movie was supposed to predate WandaVision, so things had to be changed. And so, because of pandemic issues and things like that. So, you know, I think that there's some messiness there that is probably... A, as a result of all that and you can tell and look i mean i i like i like the energy that sam raimi brings to it i will always welcome a bruce campbell cameo he's kind of the best part of the movie but i'll tell you what cam i also am just not a fan of this like dropping cameos in uh to a five minute sequence uh all this business with the um i don't even remember what they're called what what all the, the mr fantastic and the professor x stuff and all that nonsense that goes on for 10 minutes in this movie that's just there oh, to like basically the alternate, be like alternate universes and so i know that like, that's the idea of doing a multiverse thing you could do it but like this is literally the only real stretch where they do it and it just feels so cheap and rushed it's and... cheap and then it's like played to be like a joke but then they like yeah. all get murdered i don't know it's like sorry not, for spoiling doctor Strange. it's not <laughs> funny it's it yeah, it doesn't I like i don't care that this is happening I the lineup care. seems like a, a just a run up of people that they're like well we could get this person or we could get that person it wasn't it didn't seem thought out Mm-mm. and i just i don't know that stuff's just whatever to me it was a miss for sure yeah yeah so that was doctor strange and the multiverse of madness And another movie that was about the multiverse that we watched that you were super excited for me to see and that I had forgotten that we watched a trailer and that I wanted to see it mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh yeah, I wanted to see this. So And then I saw it a few weeks back. I think I mentioned it on another episode a little bit. But... Yes, the everything, everywhere, all at once. From the Daniels directors who made Swiss Army Man, a movie that is... Um, you know, kind of an acquired taste, but you and I both really liked um, when oh, it yes. came out a few Swiss years ago. Swiss Army Man. What did I say? Swiss Army Knife? I yeah. probably said that. Swiss Army Man. Was it Man? Knife? It's Swiss what? Army Man. Yeah. I yeah. might have just said Swiss Army Knife just anyway. because it was easy to say. So wonky that movie was. Yes. So knowing it's the same, you know, creators. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited for this one. It has Michelle Yeoh, and uh, you can say the things that, that the movie is. Um, yeah, you know, it is a multiverse movie. She is basically a laundromat, a laundromat owner with her husband, who is, I always forget his name. He's actually the, what he's all grown up very much like a middle-aged adult now, kid from the Temple of Doom and the Goonies. Um, and they run a laundromat and then all of a sudden, uh, she gets visited by another version of her husband uh, who takes over the body and then just describes that there's a, an infinite number of multiverses. There's a really bad, big bad thing that's happening that's trying to collapse everything. And we need your help. And why do we need her help? It's because she is literally the most mediocre version of herself across all infinite uh, universes, which I really responded to as like a nice hook for this uh, premise. Yeah, this movie was awesome in that it was odd and you know like surprising you know it's i always say this on here that like whenever i get to watch a movie that like surprises me it's very delightful and this movie Mm -hmm. definitely hits on that and there's just so many like relatable themes in its bizarreness as well as like comedy in the like shock comedy but still funny and it's still very like emotional and sweet and action-packed and i really 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 liked it i connected with a lot of the themes 
It was very, very, very good. It's a very frantic movie. It is a, a lot, as it you might expect. It's, you know, it's long even, too. I think it's intentionally long and busy uh, for a lot of a lot of stretches and a lot of, like, kung fu action mm-hmm. set in mostly an office, which is just, you know, there's a great sequence with a fanny pack. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on. I do feel like you definitely get a lot more use of this concept of a multiverse in this movie compared to say Doctor Strange is because we are kind of jumping between a lot of different versions of this character because one of the major premises of the movie is that you can with a certain ability you know with the certain science that they've created they can jump between like nearish by universes and like take like strengths or weak powers or you know quote unquote powers from that so you know Michelle Yeoh's character uh, not too far away from her version that she was a kung fu action movie star as she really is in real life and so you know she's able to kind of take that get that skill and then she becomes a uh, martial artist and so then you get action scenes and um yeah i think that it is i was when i saw it i knew that it was just as heavily acclaimed and i was a little late to it compared to a lot of people and so, you know, there's a lot of... Ex- I had really high expectations for it, and it kind of delivered for me. And then I wondered about watching it with you and thinking if it was going to kind of connect. Because I think I watched it on a day that I think the message... While, it, you know, thematically speaking, it's not the most earth-shattering original idea. But, like, what is at this point? But I think that's on purpose. I think it is kind of getting at something that is fairly universal, and it's weird, even with its weirdness. And so for whatever reason, that really resonated with me when I watched it the first time. This time, emotionally, I wasn't as, like, in that mode, but I just really, this time, appreciated kind of the skill in which it was kind of building that message in there and kind of using, you know, I think critics of it might say it's copying certain things, and I think it's more definitely, like, using it as an homage and in a, and, and in a way to kind of help my audiences kind of connect with the frantic aspects of certain elements of it. And so... Um, yeah, it's really unique. It's it's infantile slash uh, profound, and it jumps between the two uh, yeah, within every you know <laughs> minute or so. Um, yeah, I think it's I think with After Yang, which is a totally different kind of movie, I think it's the best movie of the year so so far anyway. Yeah, any movie that can go between like a, what's the purpose and meaning of life mm-hmm. to playing with uh someone who has who just, like like jamie lee curtis is in the movie and she just like wipes her hand on her boob when she's like wiping some stuff she's off playing like an irs worker yeah. attacks yeah and she's this, just... so when you can just go from like boob and butt jokes to like the meaning of life kind of conversations or like you know epic relationships in your or life the trophies she has on her desk right yes um i mean yeah you gotta have a sense of humor in life and i think this movie kind of just captures that talking rocks and uh a, a great. ratatouille references and um i also just really loved um the performance by the daughter is stephanie hizu hizu and i've never i don't think i've seen her in much before this i really um thought that that i think there's a lot of resonant arcs i think a lot of people might connect with um i know that you probably feeling a lot of connection toward the mother character just because of her and the directors have talked about this kind of her ADHD type brain of being kind of everywhere and just thinking about everything all at once right yeah um, the the first time where she she sort of like flashes and she sees a lot of you know like multiverses all at once she sees a lot of them yeah 
I'm just like, God, that's, that's like, as a mom with ADHD, it's like I flash through everything that can happen or that is happening or that might happen or that has happened and all the kids and all their things and all the things and this could happen. And I got to do this and I got to, I like, that is like my ADHD and it's the overwhelm of thinking of everything. That is like my experience. So it's like, God, yeah. I could really relate to that. And then trying to just like find clarity and focus on one thing that actually matters in the moment mm -hmm is tough and almost like feels like sometimes it can feel like uh like you're like it's stupid like oh there's so many things mm -hmm. if i just focus on this one thing then like that's dumb like why would i just focus on this one thing it's like well because there's like beauty in just the one thing like, well that's what the, the daughter character and that's where i kind of gravitated towards of just kind of feeling that overwhelmed nature of just like understanding purpose and mm -hmm. you know it's definitely this story about a, you know someone who's depressed someone who's having clearly some generational parental conflict that yeah. you know is on, beyond her control right um james hong the great character actor is in here is uh, michelle yo's dad who's terrific in the part and everybody kind of also has to jump between different versions of themselves a little bit which is just a big acting challenge including jamie lee curtis so um, yeah, I think it's I think it's really great. Um, yeah, I think millennial parents will be able to relate to like the parenting generational like you're trying to like change the way things are, but you're still super fucked up. And then you're trying not to mess up your children in the process while also dealing with your parental stuff. There's a lot in there for mil for millennials. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so. old millennials, especially. Anyway, yeah, a big surprise. We like the movie that a lot of people like. So anyway, can people <laughs> rent this one? Yes, it's rentable now. So, okay. yep. Tr Did we buy cheap it rental. Yeah, I got the Blu-ray. Okay. Um, but it's like cheaper uh, VOD rental now, not 20 bucks anymore. So yeah, gotcha. definitely watch it. Gotcha. One thing that it, I will say back to the Doctor Strange is there's a young girl character in that movie. America Chavez. And she is she was in uh babysitter's club yep. on netflix it's a netflix baby and she can club. actually act like she's capable of acting she's not bad in the movie she's had nothing to do she has so little to do but yeah. she actually is kind of bad in it like i was I watching know. her and i was like she's just like i'm saying my lines and it's i think it's because her lines were so nothing burger and her character was so nothing burger but she was like a character she's like the linchpin of the whole movie she too. can jump between fucking <laughs> universes and yeah. it's like she's just like Meh, i'm not really gonna i'm not her. gonna blame her i don't i no, literally no, 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 think that character what, is a blank saying. slate that's what i'm saying it's not her fault she's a good actress it's the directing and the overwriting the script was nothing there for her yeah yeah versus everything everywhere all the ones clear writing, clear character development, clear direction on where they want their characters to, to go and be. Obviously, it's, it's a deeper movie, but... My favorite bit is that, you know, hearing that Jackie Chan turned down the lead role at one point, and that the part that would eventually go to Michelle Yeoh, and obviously they, you know, adjusted it for the gender, but um, yeah, that's fascinating. I feel like it's a way... I mean, yeah. okay, maybe I mean, I'm biased. Cause... It's hard to say, because I do... I love Jackie Chan, but... Um, and I know he's more interested in maybe doing a, few, a little bit more serious work just based on his more recent output, but um, yeah, I think that's tougher. I think Michelle Yeoh has got the clout in terms of like dramatic roles and things like that. You know, Crouching Tiger, and she's in Crazy Rich Asians. You know, she's just got a little bit more of that. He, I mean, I'm just I'm fascinated by that uh, by that. Concept. Like, do you want to see this version? I mean, a little Jackie bit Chan? of it. I don't know. I yeah, I mean, I I think it would still be a really good movie. It's just fascinating that they. I love that they pivoted though to Michelle Yeoh, you say, okay, who we want it? We want to get a supreme martial arts star. Okay, Jackie Chan can't do it. Uh, let's go Michelle Yeoh. I just like that that's the next, or that's the that's where we go rather than like 
trying to find where Jet Li is or whatever, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and I think having that character be a woman makes it a more interesting story because it's we don't get to see women in these types of roles all the time. Except for when Michelle Yeoh plays them, but yeah. You know what I mean, though? Yeah, no, I yeah. And then the daughter, yeah, yeah, it was all good, it was all good. Mm-hmm. Okay, what else have we been watching? Watched a couple movies with the kids, a cartoon that came out, The Bad Guys. This was a big hit uh, in the spring. It's on Peacock now. It's like, what if the big bad wolf and their, his friends that are all like, what, a snake, uh, you know, you know, scary animals or whatever, were bank robbers, but then they decide to uh, go good, or they're forced to maybe go good to to not go to jail or whatever, right? And it's based on a book series, I've noticed, and I've seen them pushing the books a lot more now since oh, this came okay. out. Um, it's fine. Good, I mean, good voice cast. Has Sam Rockwell in the lead, lead role. Um, I don't know. Like, I've utterly forgotten about it. I know. I feel <laughs> kind of bad about that because it was, I thought it was good. It was fine. Like I kind of, it's it's it it plays mostly like a heist movie, which yes. is kind of good, and like has like the, I think a fairly predictable series of twists. But like for a kid movie, like it has yeah, kind of fun with it. Who done it? And yeah, a little yeah. bit. So I mean, it, it was definitely like watchable. Um, I wouldn't say it was like a landmark piece of um, filmmaking, but I mean, it was fine. It's got some fun car chase scenes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. All right. You're so hard to please, Tyler. That's fine. I just, you know, whatever. What I do know that pleases you, though, is a little actor named Nick Cage. Yes. So we watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, the movie Which is he, a terrible title because it's so hard to remember it, and to like get what it's about. It is bad even when because I know in the trailers and the TV spots were coming out, they just would cut off that and just call it Massive Talent. And I and that's fine, but it also doesn't really match the what like the trailer looks like, which is just like this weird like meta action movie. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, why is it called that? Um, so yeah, I mean, I I don't I actually I kind of like the title, but like it doesn't it's not good for marketing. And this movie yeah. should have made like this movie should have been a bigger hit than it was, in my opinion. Agreed. But, um, it's great. It's really fun. Nick Cage plays himself. He's an actor who's kind of on the outs, and so he takes. Uh, a million dollars to go to this guy's this eccentric dude's uh birthday party played by pedro pascal who's like the mandalorian and he is i think what makes the movie work is that pedro pascal is like pound for pound on the level with nick cage mm-hmm. like they have a really great dynamic they're mm-hmm. like carrying the comedic elements of this movie together mm-hmm. and he, in a lot of ways he gets to kind of like sh- steal it a little bit in terms of comedy and i think that that yeah. really works it is a weird little transition about an hour in where it's trying to be the action movie. But I like that because yeah, then it, it gets meta too. It is, but it like it's just a little bit like it's not quite as sharp edged. Like it things like I don't know. It just feels like a lot of it. I think there was a it, it was a small budget maybe, and like they were kind of like cutting corners a little bit to get like their big action sequence in a little bit. There's some characters that kind of just randomly disappear. You don't even know what happened to which, them. Which characters? I'm gonna say, but like which ones? Like, not, you you see what happened to them, but it's just a weird, abrupt ending for a couple of main characters. And you're just like, well, what happened there with those people? And then it's like moving on. You already forgot. It's fine. I'm no, I didn't. Remember. I remember all of this movie. Who are you talking Tith- about? Tiffany Haddish. and uh, she? Oh, no. that They were like... Mm, yeah. I know, but like it's so weird. Like They're like an important that part, and then it's just weird. like this weird like rush through. And it jumps then to, like, we're going to have Nick Cage like in prosthetics doing a character. Like, it's, just, it's a very, like, quick... It just feels like some stuff was like tightened out of there a little bit. I want I want the extended cut is what I'm saying. No, you don't. Yeah, you I really do. don't though. No, I do. Be I careful do. what you wish I for do. though. I think it's a good I think it's, it's a really tighter fun this movie. way. I mean, it's it's better. It's better that they cut probably some padding out. And and for you Nick Cage eccentric 
fans out there, there's a few scenes of him like imagining talking to his younger version. Oh my god, and they're spectacular, f- fabulous. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, Nick Cage going full on Cage, which and is they've great, like de-aged so. him and put him in like yeah. Like, he looks like he did. He looks like a movie I'm going to mention in a minute, kind of. It's kind of like that period of a movie that I watched him recently in. So, um, yeah, it's a fun movie. It's uh, rentable now. You should definitely watch it, especially if you're a Nick Cage fan. Yes. Which you all should be, frankly. Yeah, basically, if you like an action movie, a movie about bros. Because here's the thing. Adults becoming friends. My opinion, and I think my opinion is right. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I think my opinion is right, in my opinion. Um... A lot of people think Nick Cage did too many like direct straight to video movies that he works too much or he's not a good actor in certain things. And I disagree with all of that. There can never be enough Nicolas Cage. He's never bad in a movie, and so stop saying that. <laughs> and he addresses that in this movie. There's a little bit of that in there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know the yeah. part where he's like, "Oh, people always tell me like, yeah, stop." He's like, "It's my job. I just I work. Like yeah. I just I take roles. It's my job. Is what I do. If I wasn't doing it, I wouldn't be doing my job." I like that. So, I mean, they he, they give him, like, an ex-wife and a daughter. I don't think he has a daughter in real life. He has, like, sons. So, I mean, there's enough change there that was probably pretty fun. But, yeah, his filmography is in play. That's what I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. yeah. The unbearable weight of massive talent. If you are a Nick Cage fan, go check it out. Yeah. And then you watched a couple of movies? Yeah. Uh, one was Wild at Heart, which is kind of the era of uh, Nick Cage where he is in that flashback. This is like a David Lynch movie with Laura Dern um, that I'd never seen. Um, and it's from like 1990. And it is very, when it came to Cannes, I think it won, it might have won the main prize there, but it was very divisive because it was like, heavy, like first scene of the movie, there's like graphic violence. And then there's just like multiple sex scenes like over and over and over again and it's pretty um pretty out there in terms of that and Willem Dafoe is in here like an hour in being very Willem Dafoe-y um yeah if you like Lynch I'd say it's worth a watch both Dern and Cage Cage this is the movie where he's like kind of playing Elvis a little bit like he's doing an Elvis kind of thing he wears like the snakeskin jacket i mean he's just got a little bit of that he idolizes elvis gotcha Um, but it's just pretty it's still a drama like it's not it's not like goofy um but i would say um yeah i mean it's worth watching i'm glad i watched it because it's one of these like are you sure because you're saying this and you're like you're like grimacing it's it's hard to recommend it's just a very odd kind of movie i think that you know it is one of those yeah i mean lynch is always a little bit you know, that's a little bit tough for people sometimes. So I, I don't know. I would just say that it's a little bit. Uh, I, I liked it. it. I don't know if it's like a, a, a winner for everybody. That's all I'm saying. All right. So, so. that was wild to heart. Yeah. You also put on the list here uh, crimes of the future. Is this Minority Report? Because that's what Minority Report is about crimes of the future. No, this is David Cronenberg, and it's a um, very weird so you you know cronenberg from like the fly but like his more recent output was like uh, history of violence although it's been like 15 years um so he know he works with um with vigo mortensen a lot and so vigo mortensen is in this as well as well as uh leah sado and it is this weird like future where people including uh vigo mortensen they get in little chairs and they're getting like uh, uh, they're okay. They're artists. They're like performance artists, right? And the performance art is 
like cutting organs out of his body that are growing, like that shouldn't be growing, like extra organs. He's growing extra organs. Wait, he's acting that he is? No, 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 no. He's literally growing extra organs in his body. And then so for performance art, they like cut it out of him. <laughs> okay, on stage or yeah, on like a stage kind of thing, and then Kristen Stewart is, he is like, like this... under anesthesia. What's yeah, happening? he's under, and it's like this weird chair thing, and he's like kind of awake, and it's like in a chair, and they play it like it's very like sec because Kristen Stewart plays like this aid, like she works for this agency that's supposed to kind of regulate this stuff, like extra growth of like what organs. the fuck, and but she's like whispering, she's like supposed to be like kind of policing it, but she's like kind of into it because it's very like clearly like meant to be erotic, oh and she's God. asking if it's the new the sex. It's so weird. Um, I would say that like for a good ha- first half, it's like bizarre in all the right ways. And you're like, mm-hmm. this is weird. It's kind of grotesque. It's kind of got some weird kind of wince wincing moments, and then I, I don't know. The movie just kind of like just kind of goes eh. <laughs> like it doesn't know how there's to like finish. this subplot that just doesn't really like land where you were expecting mm. the movie to go sounds like it was like a really good short story it was a kind of a good idea and they was trying and i can you know they 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 bring in this other corpse to to work on i don't know it just it, it kind of just like the more you explain the more confused i am so yeah it just gets really it doesn't it doesn't know where to end and it doesn't know where it's necessarily going it's kind of an interesting premise and it's got this weird vibe and good cast but yeah it's just i don't know it just kind of goes into sounds that like direction. you were super into cutting organs out tyler yeah. is that your new kink this, what's happening maybe uh kristen stewart likes it and if she likes it i'm kind of into it so all right um it's <laughs> yeah she's just very like hot and bothered about it um so it that is rentable it might be on peacock already now like because well, it's no, those... nobody has peacock anymore well, they might. Well, you can watch the bad guys. You can watch uh, Jurassic Park. Will be on there eventually. Uh, people have Peacock. They sh- they got. You tell me they watched MacGruber and then bailed. Yeah, like we did. We still have Peacock. Wait, have we been paying for it every month? Yeah. What? Yeah. There's nothing on there. I watched stuff on there. Like this? No, I, I no. <laughs> okay, what do you watch on Peacock? Uh, well, I watched Saved by the Bell. That was like six months ago. We watched the bad guys on Peacock. That's it. <laughs> yeah, no, we haven't watched. Much. I don't know if that's thirty dollars. We haven't watched worth. anything on Apple in like a month either. So <sighs> that's only five dollars a month. How much is Peacock? Like five bucks. You know what's stupid about Peacock is you still get commercials. Not on the movies. You get like one in the front of a movie, then they'll. But just like, play if it. you're watching Saved by the Bell, which is a great show and should not have gotten canceled, and Peacock sucks for canceling it. I'm kind of mad at them about this still. Yeah. So, I'm really so we can just resentful. shit on Peacock. You, Peacock, yeah. you are not welcome to sponsor this podcast. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you for canceling Saved by the Bell, which old millennials. The you, new reboot one. Yeah, yeah. You should go give the new reboot one a try. We've talked about this. If you're this. paying about the, the $5 for Peacock before, you know, Peacock goes under or whatever. They're not going to go under. It's NBC Universal. They got, like, the catalog alone that they can rotate through there is good. Plus, people love their, like, they're so shameless, though. Like, they're... They make a new, the big deal about, like, we have office supersized episodes never aired on TV. And basically what they did is, like, they took a bunch of deleted scenes that are on the DVDs that I bought 15 years ago. And they're mm-hmm. like, we'll put them back in the episode. I'm just like, all right. Which is better to watch as deleted scenes because they were deleted for a reason sometimes. Well, a lot of the office was good. Like, some of those, like, I would say of all deleted scenes, like, a lot of that's pretty good. It's just they had to cut for time. And so okay. I think a lot of it's worth watching. But, like, here's the thing, like... Is it worth, like, having to sit through ads when we used to be able to just watch 
all the office on netflix ad free you know what yeah, i mean like see, it sucks see fuck you peacock like i and i have the disc i can still do that but like oh, come on fuck ads yeah, i know that there's an ad free who's paying for the premium ad free on peacock stupid nobody peacock. nobody's doing that all right so to recap what we've been watching recently dr strange and the multiverse of madness disney plus the bad guys peacock the unbearable weight of massive talent the rentable one. Everything Everywhere All at Once. Rentable. Watch that one. And then Wild at Heart with Nick Cage. Hard to get, actually. I had to get an eBay DVD. You can what? rent. I think you can, I think Amazon, or not Amazon, I think Apple, you can rent it on Apple, but it wasn't on Amazon to rent. Weird. Yeah. How much did you pay for that? Like four bucks. It's okay. fine. Worth it. And then Crimes of the Future, some kinky uh, movie about cutting people's organs out and getting off on it. Cool, Tyler. Rentable. Maybe on Peacock by now? Probably. And also, final words, fuck Peacock. <laughs> peacock <laughs> okay that was quite a quite a run through yeah we're gonna transition into our feature film apollo 13 yeah <laughs> why are you laughing i don't know i just paused and i was like yeah and, I, and then you didn't say anything. like i thought you were gonna say something that's why i just stopped so here's the fun thing about space mm-hmm. um when i first met you tyler you were like i love space i love dinosaurs and i love space and i was like cool i'm dating a fourth grader this is awesome <laughs> that's what you said huh no but uh, th- those are two things the fourth and fifth graders love. Still love dinosaurs. Yeah, you do. And uh, we would talk about space, and you'd be like, "I'm all pro NASA." And I, uh, and when we were 18, I was like, "Eh, I'm kind of eh on NASA." Like, like the I was spending very, of the money. Yes, mostly. I was very like. My, I'm not like anti. You weren't anti-science. You're just my like, argument yeah. was always that like. We are spending so much money to, like, fly a rocket up there every once in a while, and we uh-huh. still have so much of the ocean that's undiscovered and undetected, and there's so much hidden under there that we don't know about mm-hmm. that impacts our world today. Um, and now, 20 years later, mm-hmm. um, our kids are super into space, and because I'm, I'm such a good mom and I'm so supportive of them, <laughs> I'm all like, yeah, go space and go NASA, and I'm, and then, like, you hear that, and you hear SpaceX, and you're like, ah, fuck all that. Well, I just so don't. Like, so, like, the, the roles have shifted. I, listen, not really. Yes. I am, like, pro go to Mars. Okay. I'm pro a lot of stuff in space. What I'm not a pro well, of uh, Okay, a lot of stuff like? Doing, exp- like, you know, running experiments and doing things in, in space, I think, has value. There's there's purpose for that, okay. right? Okay, Um. Do we need to go to the moon again? I don't know. Maybe. If we're going to put a boot base up there and let someone live up there, yeah, I mean, let's do we that. Haven't really, we haven't put a man on the moon in a, no, I know. in a very long time. But I'm pro-Mars. I'm pro-sending telescopes out to investigate as much as we can of the universe, right? Because that's cool. I still don't even get how those telescopes work. I, neither do I. But, um, <laughs> no, what I'm not a pro of, and I don't... What, I'm not, I just don't care. Like, I don't care that William Shatner went to space, or we're going to have, like, you know make tourists in space and like these guys that are barely even going into space and going up there to fart around for 10 minutes and coming down like this is just worthless horse shit like, we just don't need to do it and i don't care what rich people get to do with all their money like why don't you go and fucking build a something for like fix some water problem or somewhere or i don't know fix covid for fucking real i don't know but like stop going into space who cares i don't yeah. care about you going up into space and farting around yeah it does seem like a waste of money in that regard i don't care it's also i don't care where people go and you know what? Like, I know it was like hardy r r. Look, we got William Shatner to go into space. Whoa, ho, 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 he was a space captain on TV. Fuck, who cares? I don't care. He's an old fucking man who fucked around up in space. Who cares? He's Captain Kirk. Has nothing to do with each other. One's a fucking TV show. Like I'm good. <laughs> 
<laughs> I knew I could get you on a good rant. I knew I could get you going, Tyler. Yeah, well, fuck them. <laughs> so, no, I'm not anti, like, NASA. I just don't like uh, space tourism. That's bullshit. Who cares? <sighs> well, Also, why would you ever... I just also, I'm just like, would you, you know, like, oh, you'd go to space if you wanted to. If it was free, you'd go. I'm like, fuck no, I wouldn't go to space. It sounds horrible. <laughs> and why do you say that? It's scary. It's up. You go really fast. It, things blow up all the time. Uh, you're in a confined, cramped space. Uh, yeah. You're floating around. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I think um, old millennials uh, all have this shared generational trauma um, because the Challenger explosion happened in in 1986, which we were really really young, I don't but have that a strong memory of it. Yeah. We were too young to remember, but we were old enough in elementary school to like hear about it and mm. to be taught about it, and it to be kind of like still kind of raw for. Well, because like, you heard about it in school too, and they're like, there was a teacher on board, and you're yes. just like, oh my god, <laughs> like. That's fucking terrifying. It was, and I'm like, was it her fault? You <laughs> know. So like, even now, like, uh, when we watched the little commercial SpaceX flight that had nobody on board, I still don't kind of like want to watch it live because it's watching it blow up live. It seems like terrible and stressful and. You didn't. Awful. You showed it to them like an hour later. I did. Not that like, there was nobody on board the thing. I know. And even our five-year-old was like, is it going to be okay? It's like, one, there's nobody on board. Two, yeah, this is a replay. The rocket's going to be fine. Yeah. You did, like, one particular thing about watching that. Oh, I just was really impressed. I mean, because I've seen launches and stuff like that on TV, obviously. But um, I was really impressed by the fact they're, you know, they're reusing a lot of these... Rockets. Rockets, and they're they, they not just dropping them in the... I mean, I'm aware that they were doing this, but, like, watching them land their piece yeah. that they're going to reuse. Yeah, they don't just they don't just let it drop in the ocean and then put a flotation device on it right. to go like re it. landed it. on a ship and um, it like yeah. land like on a helicopter pad and they had a camera on there. I mean, and they laid it they it was Bullseye. just bolt square in the middle of the X. So I was like, that's fucking pretty good. Like they got it right in the middle of the yeah. thing. And I know it was like droned in math and whatever, but still droned like, in <laughs> math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, droned and math. <laughs> that's your your yeah. expert uh, droned in math. Yeah. yeah. It's no, it was commentary. impressive. I was like, "That's pretty cool." I want, I want a guy like you to be with the NASA uh, communications director as they're doing the like the commentary of it. Yeah, you'll be like, "Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. that's some good math." Also, just one more <laughs> little thing. Like, I understand that like SpaceX like does a lot for NASA now, right? But like, well, they don't do a lot. I mean, I mean, they are selling their rockets to NASA. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm not like. Okay, you could say that that's, like, progressing the nature of a space exploration. Sure, but, like, it's for fucking profit. Like, we're doing it because they're like, we have the means to make things, and we can sell them to you because we can make them a little bit cheaper than you, and therefore we're going to make lots of money. And, and then we're going to maybe buy Twitter, or maybe not. Fuck you. And they can make them a lot cheaper than their other competitors. So it's yeah. good for NASA because it's a... Uh... You know, I just, you know, whatever. Buying cheap Fuck rockets. Off. I don't care. Just, But that was pretty fun to watch. <laughs> so that got us into the space mode. Yeah. Hence, here we enter <laughs> Apollo 13. Yeah. So uh, what do you want to do? What do you remember? Uh, yeah. And then we'll do some high stats. Okay. This is the part of the show where we, before we turn on the movie, we write down what we remember. Sometimes we'll go through the plot that we remember. Other times, as is the case with me, because I know the plot really well, because I've seen it multiple times, I'll write about a memory of maybe seeing it. Mm -hmm. So do you want to go first or do you mean? Yes. Okay. Um, I did not write about remembering it, but what I'll just say okay. is that I don't remember watching it until you made me watch it. Oh, really? You don't think you saw it until 2002-ish? Yeah. Interesting. I think you like made me watch it, probably because at the time I was like, "Yeah, space, whatever." <laughs> you know, I'm a teenager or whatever. Yeah, I was like, "You I'm should watch like, this movie." Yeah, that's fine. Some guys went up to space, whatever. 
So then you made me watch it, and okay. um, it was very memorable. And I feel like I've only watched it the one time with oh, you. Okay. So after only watching it one time, I remembered this much. Okay. Some dudes are trying to go to the moon. A couple missions after Apollo 11's successful landing. You know, that's the one where, like, Neil, Neil Armstrong, Armstrong yeah. actually walked on the moon. And then who was on number 12? Nobody remembers. Okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, Lieutenant Dan doesn't get to go, and he's super bummed. Yeah, he's bummed. Tom Hanks is going, though. Spoiler Some stuff goes wrong after they take off. They have to figure out how to fix some stuff and fling back to Earth. Forget the moon landing. They're just hoping to make it back to Earth alive. Lieutenant Dan actually helps save the day with coming up with a solution. Um, my favorite scene is when the NASA guy comes in a room with an armful of stuff and tells the engineers and stuff to, like, figure it out with what's available to them. Like some duct tape and tubes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Very stressful movie. For sure. Yeah. Good I remembered a lot. Yeah, it's a memorable, it's a memorable movie, but yeah. Yeah, but, like, sometimes movies that are based on, like, real his- history stuff doesn't really stick with me like it'll this just is like a procedural come and go though. like this is like in a, I, and these are i think what are some of the better historical films there's mm-hmm. just ones that where there's a clear mission or event that something kind of you know like it's memorable because of like the, this the happens way that it's and then this happens you're right it's very it's sequential not, it's not about like jim level growing up to being like gee whiz i want to go to space yes <laughs> and know? it's it's intense and it's a thriller yeah. and you know whoopee there's some excitement oh my god <laughs> so uh what did you write for what you remembered so i wrote the rousing story of the apollo 13 mission with an all-star slash male cast oh but kathleen quinlan rules because she plays the wife or whatever she's very good i remember my parents taking me to this movie in the theater and being so enthralled because i didn't know the true story behind it i was terrified at the end uh how if because i was worried it was going to end badly also i thought they filmed in space then I wanted the soundtrack, <laughs> and it contained the score and a mix of classic hit songs, and that ruled. That did rule. So, yeah, I remember going to the theater with them, and they told me it was a true story, and, I mean, I just was like, when they're, especially when they're coming back to Earth, uh, spoiler alert for Apollo 13 and history, uh, like, when they don't... Uh, they don't show up on the radio for a while like too long i'm like they're fucking dead they died like died that sucks because we all know the challenger exploded and killed people and that was only in our lifetime not so i was um i was pretty like because i was you know only like 12 or whatever or 11 so i was pretty i was like our son watching it our five-year-old just like oh my god what's gonna happen are they gonna be okay (laughs) so i i just remember that and, and it was very exciting and yeah i thought the music was really good it's james horner score um and then yeah, that soundtrack was great because it was like the the score, but then they like mix in some of like the music cues of like the classic rock songs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty sweet mm-hmm. um, for an eleven year old. I was like into it. Like this might have been like my. I remember. Look, I love the Jurassic Park score, right? But I don't know if I necessarily. I probably got that tape right. Um, oh, you definitely it was, had it that. It was it was it was Jurassic Park, and it was this score. I was like, I love movie scores. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. When I was a kid, and mm-hmm. that because I just I think it's still a banger. When I was listening, we were watching this. I was like, man, that's a good ass fucking score. I think it's better than what James Horner won. He won for Titanic, um, which is a, obviously an iconic score, but I like this one more. Sure. Yeah. Let's do some high stats. Okay. Apollo 13 was released this time of year, so it was good timing for us. Summer. June 30th, 1995. Mm-hmm. It is rated PG. Yeah, just some swear words, really. Yeah. And some intensity of uh, things going on. Swings in at two hours and 20 minutes. A little long. There was an IMAX cut that came out in the 2000s where they shaved off 20 minutes. It's on our disc, but I didn't want to... I didn't want to watch that version because it cuts out some 
mostly stuff on, on Earth or whatever, but I don't know. I didn't want to. Ah, 20 minutes is fine. Let's just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, even though it was two hours and 20 minutes, it definitely held the attention of um, all of our kids. All four of our kids were very enthralled by this. Um, Which, considering it's like a movie set in like the late 60s. And doesn't whatever. like get to space for 40 minutes either. Mm-hmm. You know, like it takes a little time for them to get going. Mm-hmm. But they're so into like space and like, oh, because the first part, you know, you get all the like training stuff. Yeah, anyway. yeah. It, hold, it held them for the the full two hours and 20 minutes. And we watched it kind of after a lot of this real life space stuff. So their, their brains were kind of primed for some of this discussion. And we would pause to kind of explain a little bit of like what was going wrong in there but like which was weird because this was like the because my memory of watching this as a kid was just like i don't know what's going on but it seems bad <laughs> yes. um like i don't know what they're talking about and even now it's just like that sounds really technical and complicated man i hope these guys are smart and yeah. then, you know they are <laughs> yeah it was uh directed by ron howard it was based on a book actually written by jim lovell and yep. jeffrey kluger um the screenplay was william boyles it stars just a Packed full Murderers of awesome Row of great. white actors we love. Yes. We got Tom Hanks, Bill Paxton. Hey, Bill Paxton. Oh, Kevin Bacon. Good, good. This is a good Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon movie yes. because of the star wattage around him. Yep. Gary Sinise. Yep. Who, Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Ed Harris. Great Ed Harris supporting role. Kath- Kathleen Quinlan, yep. who you said. And uh, some other people. Clint Howard, his brother, shows up in a fairly memorable uh, mission control uh, scene. So, yeah. Those are the key very people, well though. well cast. We only have one woman basically in the movie. There's another wife and there's some kids, but yeah. yeah. The one woman comment is funny because there was there's one scene where they're all all the men are in a room trying to figure it out, and I paused it and I was like, "Kids, what's wrong with what's happening in this room?" And they were like, "I do not know what this fucking pop quiz question is." <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Who's in this room?" And they're like, "I don't know, people." I know. We should watch Hidden Figures because like that's one thing this movie omits is clearly like there's a lot of math and a lot of things going on, and there were some women in the other offices that were doing some of this Crunching work some fucking numbers yeah and i was like yeah see what the problem is here is there's no women in this room yeah. maybe they and would solve I mean, this faster and it's not a women. knock on the movie like the people no, in no, no, the no. room were these white dudes so it's not like it's inaccurate it's just that it's like you know it's 50 like, years ago women weren't allowed in the room and because of a you know a good movie like hidden figures you did get to learn about kind of like there's a lot of Have people at nasa hidden figures? We watched yeah i've seen it it's good um yeah okay uh, what other... Uh, oh, let's talk about how much money was spent and how much money was made. Yeah. You know, for a movie that they filmed in space, according to 11-year-old I Tyler... Oh, well, they just went up into space. <laughs> they spent $52 million on this bad boy, mm-hmm. and it boxed God, worldwide good... $355 million. They made this on that budget. I mean, okay, yes, like, once it gets up, like, it, there isn't, like, a lot of... You know, there's, like, a couple locations, right? But... They had a complication of one of the locations being like you have to simulate weightlessness, mm-hmm. and they did. They went up into I don't you know they did it for some key scenes. Obviously, there's some ways that you can kind of fake a lot of other shots, but they went up in one of those planes and they not only got to practice, but they did shoot a little bit of uh, of actual footage that way um, to include in the movie, which I think really helped the realism movie. And it it that stuff really holds up, whereas like. You know, the CGI on the rocket ship, like, by today's standards, is not great. It definitely doesn't take you out of the movie. It's just that it's a little bit, um, what's the word? Fuzzy? Or, like, it just, you know, it looks like it's like, oh, yeah, that doesn't really look mm-hmm. like a rocket. That's okay, though. Like, and there's not a lot of that. I mean, and then once the the module and stuff is in space, I feel like that's model work and looks really good uh, for yeah. the most part. Yeah. 
I think it all looks really good. Yeah, I would say only really the launch with the clear CGI was like some of the dated stuff, but not bad. Yeah, I feel like it looked fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a, uh, they got a lot of access to NASA. I think that Ron Howard had, they granted him access to certain things. He elected to build sets uh, a lot of, you know, for various purposes. Because I remember, see, I remember this movie in 95 and a couple years kind of growing up past this. Because it really like sparked an interest for me in terms of like, oh, that's really cool. This hat, you know, this is what they did. And and I remember, what, that's why I remember like first hearing about the, the airplane, them going up. Because there was like a 60 minutes thing or something that I watched with my parents. And then we ended up going, I think it was in maybe early high school, we went to Houston mm-hmm. and we went to the space center there and you got to see the mission control that's in the moon. And it looked different to me, but it was pretty close. It's just like, you know, it, it was like, it seems smaller to me when we saw it, but it's mm-hmm. like, you know, just this room where there's windows and you can watch them and there was people down there working. I don't know what they were doing necessarily, but um, that was cool. Uh, yeah. So I liked all that. I just, it's a good interest. It's one of those movies like um of the time period kind of oddly it's kind of like the rock <laughs> about like and then going to like alcatraz relatively mm-hmm. soon after seeing the rock and being like this is awesome even though like most of the like the interiors of that is just made up yeah, stuff it's but, not the same but like totally. there's those outside shots it's like i stood there mm-hmm. you know and there, a lot of people feel that way about a lot of locations but when it's like a um you know a memorable kind of iconic not just some random city street right it's kind of cool so i was a uh, big fan of this growing up yeah cause watched it's it a cool. lot because all fourth and fifth graders are super into space yeah and, and like dinosaurs. you know i'm aware of tom hanks you know at this point we're all aware it's kind of, of during America's that run dad. Mm-hmm. you know he he this was one that i remember when it came out i was also like aware that he had gotten like oscars like two in a row he had one for philadelphia and he'd won for forrest gump right and so this is 95 you're like oh three for three baby here it comes tommy hanks going for number three and i don't even think it gets not gotten nominated oh really Ed harris got yeah you should look at the oscar account this is a movie that i felt like definitely should have been a best picture nominee nominee but i'm not sure if it was and maybe you have some information. Oh, on I'm that. sure I definitely have that information. It's on like Wikipedia or right whatever. Awards and accolades. I'm sure I have that page you right here. You have it. You have it. Yep. Um, you, you talked about the score. The yeah. Score. Was, yeah. Mm-hmm. James Horner. This is like a good gateway movie, just in terms of these actors too, because I really. It's probably one of the first times I had like memorably knew that I was watching Bill Paxton, and then going back and seeing some of his other movies, and then the movies going forward. Same with Kevin Bacon. Gary Sinise, I remembered from Forrest Gump, obviously. And then, like, Ed Harris, just, uh, you know, this this Ed Harris and then, like, Truman Show Ed Harris are, like, my Ed Harris. Yeah, they are. Those are my Ed Harris uh, movies, right? Okay, I'm ready to give you the rundown on the Academy Awards. Okay. Okay, it was nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Actually, should I start the bot? It was nominated for Best Picture. Okay, good. I'm glad it was. It was nominated for Best Visual Effects. Sure. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You want to... Oh, Tea time with Tyler. Tyler, uh-huh. I'm going to give you, uh, <laughs> see how many guesses it takes you to figure out what movie did uh, Apollo 13 lose to okay. in this year for best visual effects. You can uh, start now and go. I want to say Flubber, but that's 96. Nope. Oh, my God. It's something dumb, though, right? It is something dumb. <laughs> um, You're in the right category. 95. Oh. Feel free to ask a few yes Flubber or no Flubber was questions. my guess, but it was like Ask 96. some yes or no questions. I'll allow Is it, it a children's movie? Yes. Is it Casper? No. Is Casper nominated? <laughs> no, I don't know. Oh, God. It's like that same era. Oh, my God. I'm trying to think. 95. Ask some yes or no questions. Is it a superhero movie? No. 
it's not Batman Forever then. Uh, is it a it's a kids movie? Oh my god. Is it a movie that has animals in it? Yes. Is it Jumanji? No. That's ninety five. Is it a movie that has one of your daughter's favorite animals in it? Yes. A monkey? Nope. Other daughter. <laughs> what? What 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 animal are you thinking of? An elephant? Nope. The other the other her other favorite animal. She has seventeen of them in her bed right now. Oh oh, it Babe Pig in the City. Yeah. The sequel? Nope, just Babe. Oh Babe, because Babe was the best picture nomination. Yep. Lost okay. to Babe. It lost to Babe for visual effects. Speak on that, sir. Well, I'm gonna guess that they. I thought that movie animals? was. They used real animals and then they like, animated their mouths. Is that what they did in that movie? I don't remember. Maybe. Okay. Wow. That's a. That's a franchise I don't. Uh, I don't understand. Hey, don't you diss on me? <laughs> I don't okay. understand. Babe, I was in seventh babe, grade. I went city. to that babe for my for my birthday. It you was do babe not like a Miramax babe. movie. This is the start of this horse shit. With Listen, you son Bob of a bitch. We're gonna watch Babe next. Oh, fucking bullshit. <laughs> okay, it bullshit was also pig movie. <laughs> it was also nominated for best sound. Yeah, sure. Did and it win? won. Yeah. Okay. okay, that's good. It was nominated for best original dramatic score. James Horner, and very good. Lost, lost to ninety five is gonna be Braveheart. I don't even know what this movie is. I gotta click it. No, not Braveheart. What was it? Uh, the Postman. Oh, that's Ilipus Kevin Postino. Kevin Costner's The Postman won for original score. Wow. I don't think it's that's Kevin crazy. Costner. It's like an Italian movie. Life is beautiful. No, or it was this like a remake or something. I don't get it. Oh, I don't know. Now it's I... Il Postino click on it is it i did is it the kevin costner one no it's this one look oh okay yeah i'm not really it's i'm the, aware of that movie but i don't know anything about it well apparently had a banging score better than your magical apollo bullshit 13. bullshit I'll put them toe to toe and i'll show you which one's best. I, I mean i wouldn't necessarily maybe it's really good i don't know this is a good era for music scores okay it uh, was nominated for best film editing definitely deserved sure did it win or not no yeah, it won. Oh, okay. Won oh, for wow. Editing. That would be like a precursor to winning these days. That's like a good category, but not Best not Art then. Direction nominated. Sure. No win. Hmm. Best Screenplay based on material previously produced or published. It's a good script. That is a very specific category. Does that category it's exist just adapted anymore? versus original. Why is it so long on, on the Wikipedia? That's just what it is. Based, based on, on material previously produced or yeah, published. Adapted. Adapted screenplay. Well, that's not what it says. It says based on material previously produced or published. Yeah. Uh, best actress in a supporting role. Kathleen Quinlan. She's nominated. Did not win. She lost to Mira Sorvino in. Mighty Aphrodite. Good job. Yeah. Okay. Best actor in a supporting role. Which actor? Ed Harris. Uh huh. Who lost to? Ninety-five uh, is. Ugh, ew. Martin Landau. No. Think what I just did. Ugh. Ew. Face. No. Ew. No. What? My reaction of ew. Who's ew? Who would have won in this this time? Mel Gibson? No. I mean, warmer. <laughs> Kevin Spacey. Yeah. The usual suspects. Yeah. yeah. There it is. Yeah. Take that back and give it oh, to boy. Ed Harris. I mean, he's good in the movie. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is good in the movie. <laughs> and then it was nominated for Best Picture. Did not win. And, and Ron Howard too. did not get direct get a director nomination. He did not. He didn't get any love until A Beautiful Mind, which is a movie that is inferior to this and that one, like director and picture. And yeah. Anyway, it's who weird did how this Oscars one lose work. to for Best Picture? Ninety five is English Patient. No. Oh, that's ninety. You were already on. You've said this movie already. Braveheart. Yeah. 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 Let's see some other things that won. 
It won a lot of stuff. It's it didn't good. win any Golden Globes. Here's the thing. I This is my No take. other awards matter? Is that what you were going to say? No, I don't. The Oscars don't really matter either. But um, this is what I'll say about rewatching it this time. Okay. Uh, I think it is just like, in terms of like, I think you could call this like a blockbuster because it came out in the summertime. It definitely like made money. It was a big event. I, I think this is one of the like best blockbusters or big movies of the decade. I think it just kind of delivers on that front in a lot of ways. You know, expert cast, a really solid direction from Ron Howard. Ron Howard is one of these directors that, um, he's what I call a journeyman director. Like what I, like I coined the term. No, I think he, he's just a guy who doesn't necessarily have a discernible style and can work in a lot of different genres. And, you know, <laughs> his movies are tend to be as about as good as their scripts are, right? Like he can, he can do a good job with anything, but like if the movie has a lousy script, the movie's probably not gonna be great. Like Agreed. Da Vinci Code or Hillbilly Elliot, you know, he's made some clunkers, but that's not really in the, on his shoulders, I would say. Agreed. A great movie can't be won or lost with one person. I think like he's a just a guy that you can rely on getting a pretty good job done. Movies look good usually, you know, like he's just that kind of director. And this mm-hmm. and when it works and it's the right material. I think, you know, he delivers something like this, which is just a really, you know, well-handled movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think that it should be regarded that way. It doesn't seem like it is as much. It seems like it doesn't get the love as a, but it is a blockbuster. It's you know, because it's historical. Do you know why it doesn't get the love? Hmm. The same reason Apollo 13 didn't get the love. Oh, yeah, because it's, like, not as exciting. It's not as exciting. Because they the were only not the reason... ones that went to the moon, or they didn't go to the moon. Yeah. They already, we already had gone twice. Yeah, we'd already gone. This was a failed mission. Like, no one cares about this. Yeah, and that's kind of what the first part of the movie is, is how these people seem to be losing interest. They do, like, a show, and they, I don't know if that's true, if the networks pulled the, didn't show their live show on the, you know, the three channels that they had back then. Um, yeah, I think, you know, once you've already done it, and there's a reason why the we only did a few more missions after this and stopped going to the moon, right? Because it's already been done. What are we going to do? Keep looking at the same rocks, right? So mm-hmm. I get that. Um, but I will say this movie should get credit for... I remember when The Martian came out a few years ago with Matt Damon and like all those dumb, really dumb people who would either accidentally say or will just believably say like, oh, this is like a true story. And it's like... Well, no, we never been to Mars, but I think like like because it that movie is so much like kind of following like an the Apollo thirteen kind of playbook. Mm-hmm. It plays like it it plays like a procedure. It plays like a very realistic version of what it would be like if someone was stranded on Mars, right? And so people get that um, that mentality, and I think that you should. I think Apollo thirteen especially should get a little bit of that credit. I think it's better with its space shit than Armageddon, which we've talked about last year, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. That movie is ridiculous in all of its... I mean, that, that movie's anti-science, essentially, in terms of what's supposed to be going on in space, right? But I don't know. That movie tends to get... Like, people remember that as, like, a blockbuster. But, like, this is the this is a blockbuster. This should be something that people should look back on as being like, yeah, big movies in the 90s ruled. Case in point, Apollo 13. Boom. Hey, question. Did you mm-hmm. listen to the commentary track? I'm sure I did when I got that DVD back in so the day. So it was recorded by Jim and Marilyn Lavelle? There's probably multiple ones on there. It's a um, special edition DVD. And included with the signature Lovell, laser disc. 
and later mm. included on both DVD versions. Laserdisc. So they did mention several inaccuracies, but even it seems like now I haven't heard heard the commentary. Mm-hmm. Even the inaccuracies were for like art direction, and I just feel like Jim and Marilyn seem to just have like a love for this movie and an appreciation. She makes a comment that like Tom Hanks portrayed her, like the mannerisms of her husband like yeah. really really well. Well, of course he did. It was Tom Hanks. The trio are, is really good, especially and Gary Garris. I mean, the the main the main six people are excellent in this, right? And that the dynamic between uh, Bacon and Paxton and Hanks, you know, there's a little bit of friction because Kevin Bacon is like the sub for the Gary Sinise character, and so especially between Paxton and Bacon, there's a little bit of friction, but it's not a lot, and it doesn't feel forced. It just feels like kind of a natural little argument that would happen mm-hmm. um, once things have really gone well wrong. Once you know they're all sleep deprived. Bill Paxton's character is like sick with the flu. Um, you know, like it, it all feels like very natural. And I really love my actually my favorite thing of this movie is the in the beginning of the movie when Tom Hanks is at home watching Apollo Eleven and he sticks his thumb up to the moon and he covers it with his thumb mm-hmm. and then he does the same thing on the way around the moon. I mean, you are such a sucker for like sentimental. I love it. It's shit. good though, and, and it, but it, it's just like it's Tom. It's because it's Tom Hanks it who's is. never never really. Knows he he doesn't that guy doesn't know how to like over well I don't I haven't haven't seen him in that Elvis movie where apparently he's just a hip skip bop and bebop and all over that movie but generally he's kind of a, a small choice kind of actor and I think that those are little bits of character moments and like he really sells like the scene with almost no dialogue when they're looping around the moon. And they know they're not going to land. And he's like, Jimmy, got to come take a look at this. And he's like, I'm good. I've, I've seen it. Like, you know, and he just wants to go home. And I think that is his best scene in the movie. And it's just like, it's heart-wrenching. But also, it's just like, you can see why, like, he also, like, changes his tune pretty quickly. He's like, we need to, like, focus. We're, we're not going to get home. We're going to die. So, can like, we need to focus on this. Like, he, mm-hmm. he has his moment, but then is like, the one who draws them back into, like... You know, we have to survive. This is not an issue of, like, missing the moon anymore. We are going to die. Um, so the other thing I'll say is the movie's visually visually very smart in that there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of reasons why things look broken. And even watching it now, it's just like we were kind of pausing, like I said, to tell the kids, like, oh, this is not working. Or some of it I, didn't, I still didn't really, like, understand necessarily. There's a lot getting thrown at you, right? And there's a mm-hmm. lot of knobs and buttons. But visually... You understand what you need to do or what they need to do to do certain things. And they have these little moments where they'll cut to, like, the television coverage, right? And they'll have, or like, they'll a little overview. they'll cut to Ed Harris. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, even, like, who knows if this was true, but, like, this, the problem of solving this air venting, CO2 venting, and they had to get their, basically the square peg, the circle into the square peg, right? <gasps> and, like, how they duct tape that shit together and MacGyver mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, all of that is visually really keen. And it just, like... You can follow it without not necessarily knowing exactly what the problem is. Yeah. Even like when they detach from the thing that kept them alive, they can look out the window and be like, oh, that's damaged. And oh, by the way, that's where like the heat thing was. And then having another character in a little bit just being like, well, we're not sure if the heat thing's going to open up. But it's it's never it's a really good balance between like over explaining and just letting, you know, letting you know enough or understand enough that like the next thing is really dangerous. I think that's really efficient. I don't know. It's good. It was, it's so good. Gary Sinise is great. I was going to tell you, when we were watching it, there's a scene early where they've separated the wife and Tom Hanks, (laughs) Jim Lovell. uh, Jim Lovell. 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 
I think it's level. Anyway, she's taking a shower and her ring slips into the drain. And you were like, I wonder if that's true. It was true. Yeah, she did crazy. drop her ring into the drain. She was able to get it back because the trap. And that's the scene I think they cut out of the IMAX version. And I just don't want what? that cut out. You know, like don't cut out her scenes. Um, yeah, I. She's really good, and she just does a like. It's such a thankless part in a lot of ways, but she brings a lot of humanity to it, which I think is really good. She's got a couple really good scenes with her kids, especially the young one. There's a little like wrenching moment because like he Tom Hanks talks about like what happened on the Apollo one and how he knew those people and he said the door broke and then there's a scene later when she tells him again and it's like is the door did the door break and mm-hmm. he's just like oh that's so scared yeah, scared she's that like, kid's terrified something broke on daddy's was on it daddy's the door ship. was it yeah. the door and I also really like this little cutaway and it's, I mean you could say it's like screenwriting cheapness right like they they show a scene of like a previous interview with Jim Lovell of Tom Hanks talking about like some problem he had on a on a on a piloting a, a, a plane right mm-hmm. and it's just like well time that you just kind of start thinking about like oh yeah you can see that this guy is like trying to stay level-headed and i don't know it's all really compelling and i like how you know gary sinise's character you know he gets kicked off basically because he got gets exposed to measles right uh the little i i love i always love the like even the little tag at the end when they like explain what happened to the people and it's like oh you never got the measles and even, I remember the theater being like see p- bullshit <laughs> <laughs> well not maybe not I didn't say bullshit but um, but yeah like I like how that character kind of comes back into the fold and why he seems important at the beginning and then well, I was like yeah he's got to figure out literally how they're gonna land the thing with this much energy um, with only you know without you know using up all their energy to go through so even like. Um, when they have to do like a controlled burn to keep on pace to the earth, like it's just really smart of just being like, there's a lot of science involved with where we got to go. It's just like, we'll just keep the earth in the bubble. And then like, here's an action scene because, and you just have to move the camera a little bit. And it's mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, they're going to be off course. It's just a little oh, simple visual sick choices. As shit, Bill Paxton trying to control. Yeah. To control. And you're like, Oh, I don't God. know why Kevin, ba- like Kevin Bacon's the pilot. Like what? Maybe he should go over there and handle yeah, this thing. I thought that was odd too. And they're not related to that, but there's a comment in the movie when they're first docking to the mm-hmm. lunar thing where they're like, oh, if he can't dock it, this whole mission's over. And uh, the other two real-life astronauts were like, well, that's that's not totally right. Like, if he couldn't have docked it, one of us could have. Like Because they're... Tr- they're they have- everyone's trained. Like, even if he misses it, like, we'll yeah, just the, try again The with part of the guy. training where, like, oh, we miss is when they say, okay, well, now it's Jim's turn to go into the parking seat so he yeah. can practice the maneuver, yeah. right? Like, yeah. they all practice. That's why I was like, why isn't Kevin Bacon steering this if yeah, he probably knows like how to shit, do it like, but I, I feel like this artistic movie choices gotta you gotta, drum make, up that tension, gotta man. make that tension tight and i like yeah. it um anyway you were you were critical of the kind of like the quarantining and then like saying goodbye and seeing their family members i wasn't like, critical at a distance yeah i was fine with that it's just that, like what about all those people that they're working with that are clearly like go willy-nilly going all over the place those people probably should be wearing masks or something right yeah you're worried I, about them seeing their family these, what are these clowns doing well apparently that protocol didn't actually start until the until the space shuttle program i just remember in 1981 or whatever oh i remember when and this, I don't know how accurate this is. I'm just going off the memory of seeing First Man, the Ryan Gosling space movie about Apollo 11. Mm-hmm. And he's in quarantine after. And it, maybe that's just because he was on the moon. And at the time, they're like, we don't know what's on the moon. Maybe yeah, we should make sure he's not, doesn't have some have kind of venom parasite Radioactive on Martian dust on you. He's got a symbiote on him is what he's got. Yeah, venom. He's got a symbiote venom. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, a good movie. What? <laughs> Venom's a great movie, Tyler. <laughs> you haven't even seen the sequel. <laughs> Yet, yet. Uh, first, I gotta watch the old one again. <laughs> You've been saying that. For, I feel like up. two years. It's so funny. Um, all right. 
I don't know. Like Apollo 13 is great. I, our, I was impressed by how much our kids were really into it. They all seemed to really like it, which is actually kind of a tough play to get like all four of them to really like respond. And I would say that even the beginning when not a lot is happening, um, and we did pause a lot, which helps, I think, for them to understand it. But they could relate to, like, oh, th- this guy doesn't get to go on the mission. He's yeah. trained. Like, that's really disappointing. Like, all kids can relate to, like, you're really looking forward to something. Right. And, then, like, you don't get to go, but all your friends do. Yeah. Like, even at the age of five and ten, like, that's relatable. Like, this is a, this is a relatable story. Yeah, totally. And then, like feeling stressed out and having to rely on people um our one of our daughters made the comment like yeah i mean yeah but they were only saved because all so many like a thousand people were trying to help yeah, them for and sure it's like yeah that that's some good life lessons that like tons of people were working together the other big moment i think is like this this is a tactic too of when they make it through the atmosphere finally after being gone for four minutes like stalling that out is a big dramatic play right great but then, like, the eruption is really great and the celebration, but it's just, like, the choice of cutting to Ed Harris, who's been so stoic and kind of, like, gruff. Yeah, because he's, and, like, like in we're going to get it done, and I don't care about excuses or whatever. And, like, he is just, like, wet-eyed. And he's yeah. just, like, stunned. He's not cheering. He's just, like... I was like, that's really great. Like, who knows what really happened with that guy? But that is like great screenwriting. Yep. Like, and then giving it to a great actor, right? Pure relief and joy, and and just being like, I'm, you know, he's breaking <sighs> down because he's essentially had to, you know, do that. It's just yeah. really good, great, great deployment of a great actor. So yeah, I don't know. It's really good. I think this movie. I don't know. It just seems like it should get more love. I don't know. You don't hear about it as much as like a seminal '90s movie. I think it's great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. I think we're good. I think it's great. great. You should just rewatch Apollo 13. Yeah, yeah, and it holds up, right? It does. It, holds it definitely up holds up from from 1990, whatever five. Five. Yeah, I think it's terrific. This is one of those movies that I that I saw that was like baked in like this love of movies, right? Like a formidable age. You know that this was one of them. Not just a kid movie. I felt like I was growing up seeing. It's like I was I was cool. I was like I could enjoy the movie that my parents were enjoying or other adults. Right. Mm -hmm. It was a big. It was a big deal. I think should get more credit. Even from even me, who always just gives credit to Jurassic Park. But years two years later, this is another like movie that like defines that uh, that moment. Yeah, it relies on the acting of like five people. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's great. All right, go enjoy Apollo 13, especially if you, as an old millennial parent, have some kids who are into space You right want to know where it's probably going to stream eventually? I think it goes, comes and goes. Peacock, because it's oh, a universal movie. No. I thought it'd where be on there. Where can people watch it right now? Well, currently we had to put our DVD in because I didn't find it anywhere. It is one of those that moves around. I feel, I feel like it goes to HBO for a couple months and it'll go to Peacock because mm. it's universal. But it's one of those on a weird schedule. I wanted to watch the Apollo 11 documentary. That's on Hulu, which is a very good documentary. All just archival footage and pieced together in a way that hasn't really been... It's really good. I watched that when it came out. Yeah, I think we got to keep the momentum going with our it's, kids. That's not as narratively, like, I don't think our kids will love it as much. I think it's shorter, though, so it'll, mm-hmm. it would be watchable. Very cool. First Man's really good, too. That's kind of underrated. I know people, I don't know why that movie didn't do well, but it's a really good movie. You know what else is Neil really Armstrong. good? Uh, that one with Sam Rockwell, and I think it's called The Moon or Moon. It's called Moon. That's, I mean, yeah, it's not really, a, it's not a true story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm mostly joking. I like Sam Rockwell. This is a good movie. All right, Paul 13. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you another movie. Bye.
thought you're gonna I was expecting you to make some like space rocket noises like whoopee 